1: Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Today, we are joined with co-host Paul Campbell, Mr. Paul Campbell, and Mr. Corey Ringel. Uh, Paul, go around the table real quick. What have you been up to this week? I know you were out riding a bear for a little while,
2: but uh, what else is going on? Yeah, I I, I dressed up like a guy riding a bear for Halloween. Uh, It was fantastic. Uh, Months you were there. Corey, I don't know if you saw pictures, but it was a halloween win for sure um best part
1: best part was when we were telling those little kids to go up and punch the bear in the face
2: which happened to be perfectly placed above your crotch and uh so that was and these kids were were running around trying to hit me and i'm like stop it. Just don't, don't touch me. So it's amazing how many grown men asked to touch the bear. So I was a little, <laughs> it was a little uncomfortable. Uh, Ringo, people were like taking pictures of me and like rolling That's down their windows, driving by and laughing at me. It's just, I had this like, like this, this Buffalo plaid flannel shirt. And I had like this trapper hat on. I, uh, it was it Oh, was it reminds me of uh super troopers. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't, it was, quite, it was like close. super troopers, but it was pretty close. So it was, it was, it was pretty good. So, but yeah, just finished, finished up duck season. That was cool. Shot a duck. um I only got out three times uh for this first split. Weather was, was kind of crappy. I mean, the first day, the weather was real good. um Ideal for, for duck hunting, but I don't know, man, it's, it's hard scratching out a living uh duck hunting in central Ohio on public land. So you know, it was a good day. I am, uh, 100% focused on killing a big deer this year. Not even a big deer, just a deer. I feel like I kind of feel you guys made me feel obligated that I need to, to bow hunt this year. So I'm going to put in uh maximum effort for me, at least for, uh, for the rut coming up. So I feel like we're getting into some good action. So yeah, that's, that's it, man.
0: Corey. Oh, you know, I
2: uh Halloween's
0: that was fun. Two trick. What did you dress up one as? One Saturday uh myself.
3: Oh,
2: you suck. That's yeah, horrifying. I, that, I didn't, that is I, truly scary. I,
0: it was enough, let me tell you. Uh yeah, we went trick-or-treating on Saturday and Sunday and then uh I got to go out and sit in the stand on Sunday morning. Um I had a doe at 27, but I I just let her go considering what time of year it is, so Uneventful otherwise I was late waiting for somebody to chase after or follow her, but nothing happened. So got down, got ready, went out trick-or-treating again on Sunday. And now uh I'm gonna take a few days, leave work early, go sit in the stand, maybe one day this week, one day next week, see what happens. Very good.
1: For me, uh I also did the trick-or-treating. Yeah. I was a giant chicken because my daughter said I want to be a chicken and daddy, I want you to be a chicken. So therefore I was a giant chicken. Um, It was pretty good. It was comfortable. Yeah, It was was
2: good. It was a good costume. Did you guys have
0: rain on Saturday? No, it was perfect. It was actually pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got rained on real bad on Saturday,
1: but from uh, an outdoors perspective, uh, I was out a few times. I had, uh, I was getting, getting ready on Sunday morning and my trail cam lit up and it was sending me pictures of some monsters that were going basically right underneath my stand. So I had like four o'clock in the morning, five 30, uh, there's another one like six 26 or something. So I'm on the way to this stand and I'm getting these pictures and just like, what am I walking into? Um, and i, I but to be honest with you, I wasn't really quite sure how to handle it. Should I just sat back and waited for the sun to come up or what? Anywho, I tried to sneak in my stand. I got up in the stand. Um, I, I was good. I never heard anything until I was fidgeting with something in my backpack. And all of a sudden I heard a nice big blow and uh, off, off he went, but I was bound and determined. So I sat there for a few hours. I got down for lunch and I was like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to sit heavy this afternoon. So I was gone from like 11 to three. I'm back at three, sat all afternoon, didn't see a thing. I, I I was just amazed. I always see deer at this place. There's been times I see 20 plus deer at this place. And uh, as I was getting out, I was heading my truck. There's a note on my windshield. I pick it up. I'm like, oh, great, you know, what is this? Hey, I uh, just, I hit a deer earlier. Uh, I wanted to track it onto the property. I just wanted to see if, if I could get permission and left me a phone number and stuff. So I, I called the number and I said, Hey, look, I, I don't saw my property. Um, I gave him the property owner's number. He, he talked to them or whatever. But after I, I talked to him a little bit about how, you know, what kind of deer it was in the scent. Well, I think he walked right through the property because he's like, Oh yeah, I was walking. I was following this blood trail. And then I saw his stand. So I think I walked right by your thing. Well, there's the reason I didn't see anything all afternoon oh, on man. Sunday is because this dude had just blown up the entire area, like 80 acres surrounding, whatever. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better that I didn't screw anything up on my own, but so did he hit a buck or a doe? He had a buck and a small buck. He said, okay. And I'll, I'll be honest. I, I hope he found it, <laughs> but from yeah. what I could tell, he was, he had tracked that for about a half a mile. Oh jeez, I'm not sure that I'm surprised. I mean, if they still have blood at that point, it's amazing, but whatever. So, um, <clears throat> uh, segue
0: dead deer don't
1: run. True. So uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, go ahead. I, I don't think we have a whole lot of information from news around the state today. Small uh, game starts Friday, the fifth of November. That's I mean that's 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 it, man. I think for so your rabbits, your pheasants, chukar, yeah. quail, chucker, yeah. chucker. Sorry, and then oh. uh, November tenth. So what will be like next week is fox, raccoon, skunk, possum, and weasel.
0: Um, I did, uh, you gave me, you, you borrowed my, uh, my summit Viper for a while and you gave it back cause you went to a saddle. So I've been fiddling with that thing. I think I'm going to try and take advantage of, uh, the landowner access program because there's a property, uh, in my County that opened up recently and I'm going to try to climb, I think. So it's been fun trying to get back into the ropes of that thing. Good luck. Yeah.
1: Just I'll just remind you wear your tree harness. Yeah, <laughs> because there's a reason I don't use that anymore.
2: I was four we'll get, feet. Up we'll in save the tree. that
1: story for another day. But
2: yeah, nice.
1: So, um, as far as everything else goes, uh, we've got some cool episodes coming up for you guys. Uh, one of them, I'm just going to hint at because it it's already done, uh, is the state deer biologist. Is that what right? Paul. Yeah, um, wow.
2: yeah. Deer deer herd director or whatever. Mike. Awesome. Mike awesome Konkovich. dude.
1: man that was cool yeah. and we need about four more hours to talk to him
2: yeah but we're i we are going to have we're going to have him on i want to make him a regular because that dude was a wealth of knowledge he was a great interview you guys are going to absolutely love him you're going to love what he had to say is deer hunters in the state we have a lot of work to do it like there, there's there's a big responsibility that falls on our shoulders as hunters and I, and we dive into some of that in the, in the interview but it's uh it's a good one man It's a real good one. But
1: that is not today's. Uh, Today, we are going to uh, talk to a gentleman by the name of Troy Fowler, a.k.a. the Ranch Fairy. So I will just say that if you have never heard of Troy and his work or what he does, uh, he's kind of a controversial uh, personality in the industry. And he has been working for the last four or five years to improve arrow setups um, off of Ed Ashby's work from the Ashby Foundation, Dr. Ed Ashby. And really what it comes up, down to is is he, he pushes heavy arrows, arrows with, you know, anywhere from, well, really 550 to a thousand grain weight, which is very different from what the industry has pushed for many years. Uh, just disclaimer we we are not saying that you know this is the end all be- all way to go i will tell you though that for myself i have used this this year uh, i have taken two deer my arrows are about 650 grains uh, and they they are a 12 point arrow on the ashby scale they uh, if for no other reason they give me confidence when i go into the woods and i'm not concerned that i'm going to, you know end up with a bad hit on a deer um is of is that still possible i mean yes, that one course. deer that yeah.
2: but i that just want to hit. That yeah oh yeah that, that one deer that you hit that you shot when we were when we were all hunting together i mean that that arrow setup wrecked that deer i mean it like it just blew through it like there was nothing to it And she ran what 30 yards not even Not even that. I mean, there's no blood trailing. I mean, you, you watched her go down. I mean, like to me, you know, is, is a, is kind of a outside looking in. That's what you want, man. If, if, if you ask me and I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, it's not for everyone. It's controversial topic. Uh, And and I don't even know why it's controversial. I think it's just the way that Detroit delivers his message. Um, And it's, it's the same way that a lot of people deliver what they're passionate about. People don't like the way that he talks or the way, you know, don't say character. This is a character uh, yeah. This is, yeah. Make your own decisions, man. You know, it's
0: very different from anything that you would find at a store that you'd normally go to buy arrows at, like you go to buy arrows at a store and they come with a factory insert. That's anywhere from what eight to 20 grains. Usually if you're going to buy a standard diameter arrow now with, the smaller diameter arrows, they're getting a little heavier, but it's a lot different than what you would get off the shelf. And you got to, you got to kind of do your research and talk to people and talk to companies before you're going to dive into something like this for sure, because you can't just slap 200 grains on your arrow and be good to go. You're going to break an arrow. So you you really got to talk to people about how you're going to get this set up before you get it. You know, if it's something that you want to do, you got to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about to get it set up the right way.
1: And there's a lot there and I'll warn anybody who's not been, this is a deep, deep rabbit hole. So if you get into this and start going into the YouTube and the forums and there is a lot there, is it super hard? No, but you need to make sure you, you, if you want to go try it out, you do it do it the right way so you don't get super frustrated and and yeah it's
0: going to take it's going to take more tuning uh than you know mechanical mechanical broadheads are so popular because they fly like a field point it takes a little bit more tuning to go to a fixed blade or you know a fixed blade muzzy that that's kind of the same deal but yeah you're going to have to you're going to have to do your research and, and learn how to tune to go to something like this and
2: it's do in it.
0: conversation.
2: Yeah. And don't do it during the middle of deer season of do, you know, absorb this information, do your research if you want and, and start doing, you know, at, at the end of the season you got, you, you're going to have a couple months to, to do your research and, and find the products that work best for you. So and be good and get onto Santa's nice list and put it on your Christmas list. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so. yeah. So, like Paul said right now it's not the time to, to try to jump into this we just want to make sure uh some people have heard of him some haven't uh I'll
0: tell you it, what after talking to him a lot of things he did make sense and i went to a heavier heavier point weight i went i went heavier on on the front so and i i like the way the arrow flies yep it's uh it's nice well with all of that um
1: we will go ahead and get to our interview here with Troy. So, uh, good luck, anybody. The uh, the woods are on fire right now. There's yeah. tons of good pictures coming up uh, on social media.
2: We find are, us, find us on social media.
1: Yes, please share share your pictures with us and and whatnot. But uh, good luck in the woods. Be safe and uh, yeah,
2: take care, everybody. <laughs>
1: All right, we are joined tonight with a very, very special guest uh, all the way from down in Texas, Mr. Troy Fowler, a.k.a. The Ranch Fairy. Uh, Troy, how are you doing tonight?
3: I'm fantastic as always. What else is there? I just now, got back from fishing. I mean, come on.
1: If you've been a busy man and hard to hard to pin down with all the fishing going on.
3: Yeah, I've, as an educator in the bow hunting space, the fall is not my time. It's if you've either swallowed the medicine from the ranch fairy, and snorted the fairy dust, or you have it by now. Right. So to hell with it. I'm putting up fishing content. I had Spanish mackerel. I caught a couple of big redfish and caught a great big speckled trout yesterday. Crystal clear water in the surf. It was spectacular. So I'm going to be red fishing in two days. I'm going back to the surf after that, and then I'm going to going to South Texas for snook. So just to get off the rails, and then I'll I'll crank back up content in January. And, talk, you know, start educating people on what we're going to talk about tonight.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, Yeah, anytime. So if we want to start, do you want to give us a brief rundown of how you got the name Ranch Ferry?
3: Yeah, sure. It's pretty straightforward. We have a ranch in South Texas. My wife's family owns it. It's been in the family since 1900. And uh, I took over ranch manager about 10 years ago. And it's my natural, it's just who I am. I'm an educator and I take care of people and I do, I'm a very kinetic person. So fixing fence and running around and doing deer blinds and all that stuff is just something I just, I have a list and I just go do it. It's something I naturally do. And I don't, I enjoy it. And it's good thinking time for my real corporate slug job. So um, I started calling myself a Ranchberry 10 years ago for the ranch. People are like, "Hey, where's the biggest deer? Have you been looking at the cameras? Can you tell us when it comes out so we shoot about 5 minutes and then go in, you know, because and then you can come clean it because we don't know how we don't even have a knife. And um fix tractors and all that crap. So when I decided to start my channel, when I changed my whole aero platform it was all around big feral hogs. I shot 150 inch deer in 2008 and I couldn't care less to kill another deer in my life. My, my boys, I hunted with them and all my nephews. I have a rifle with 38 names on written on the stock of people, their first animal, they were with me. So I've been in on it. I just don't care to shoot them. I don't know why. I also caught a 9'6 tiger about 15 years ago, and I don't care to catch a 10-footer. It's big enough for me. So I'm weird like that. But when I started my channel, I typed Ranchberry into Google and nothing came up. A sheer stroke of genius. Nothing came up. So, you're either super active in the analytics or you're super unique. And definitely, Fairy goes backwards in the badass, tough guy. You got the small shirt on, big arms, pumped up, dude. Yeah, woo! Bow hunting space. I was like, this is perfect. And I'm an odd guy. And I couldn't give a damn. So, I ran with it and it took off.
1: That's awesome. So, <laughs> um, for those of you who are not familiar with Troy and his work, uh, he's got an excellent YouTube channel. Was it about four or five years worth of content yeah. at this yeah, point? Mm-hmm. And I was introduced to this idea about six months ago, me being me, I dive headfirst into anything like this. Uh, real quick on my, my history was, I was a, a, an upright compound shooter for 10 or so years. I got very, frustrated with some different things part of it was just not having time to practice but you know we have bad mishaps in the in the in the woods and I wasn't real comfortable anymore so I went to a crossbow crossbows are legal up here in Ohio Troy but uh, I had great success with it when I heard your stuff earlier this year I thought you know what I need to give that another chance okay yeah. uh, if, if we're gonna be a real a real man you need to be using uh, an upright bow and that the idea of of your heavy arrows, or and I, I'm not going to say it's your idea because I know Dr. Ashby, it was you know kind of yeah sure I'm, I'm I'm
3: definitely in, in the wake of Dr. Ed, there ain't no doubt about it.
1: Right, and and we'll let you talk about that. The um, but just hearing about all that, I'm like, this sounds like it's more ethical, uh, higher percentage, uh, you know, kill percentage. This this is for me. Now, I'm what in four days, I've gotten two doughs out of this, and it is working very well. Uh, and, and everything else that I've seen on your, you know, you post a lot of uh, great pictures and stuff from people. Well, across. we talked
3: about this. You thought you missed, right? Did the first it, arrow you shot at that deer hit it, or did it not hit it?
1: It did not. It did. Oh, it's, the, air, the just knock broke missed. and it just went below it. The knock broke, yeah. Okay. But that wasn't, that had nothing, that would, well, I don't think it had anything to do with the arrow. It had to do with the knock. It literally yeah, was broken just off made. in there. It so,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, anyhow, how did you get into this idea of, you Know change, everything that's always been fast, fast, fast bows, fast, fast, fast arrows. You know, to what if we slow this down a little bit and put a little bit more oomph behind the arrow?
3: Um, feral hogs. So, I've discussed this. I don't care to shoot another deer in my life. I've cleaned 10,000 deer in the last 10 years, but I've not shot one. But feral hogs are a completely different target the armor on a feral hog makes a deer look like a cream puff. And I started specifically hunting cameras and everything, individual big pigs. And on our place, 200 pounds is big. We don't have any agriculture. They They work pretty hard, so they don't get huge. In West Texas where there's fields and stuff, they get 300, 350 pounds. I mean, they get massive. Anyway, I started targeting big feral hogs and I was having the same results with my fast setups. I was getting half an arrow in them, at best, and I'm talking feeder shots at 17 yards. You can wait for the right angle. It's not like it's y'all swinging out of trees when those deer are coming by. You got to shoot what you got, right? And I was like, this ain't working. I mean, it was. I was 50 percent on the big stuff, and I have guns. They work great. Shoot them right in the head. Anything, 44 mag, whatever. So I said, I have nothing to lose doing what Ed Ashby said and building a 12-factor arrow. I built an 11-factor arrow. I did not have a tapered shaft, but everything else was spot on. So the first pig I shot with an adult arrow was 670 grains, 25% forward to center. It had the grizzly that Ed shot in, in the most of the testing. I learned to sharpen. I got it to fly bear shaft, and I shot a stick bow, just like Ed. 54 pounds at 28 inches, and the arrow's probably going 165. So I go wandering around the ranch looking for a test pig. I just wanted a 100-pound test pig. Oh, no. I amble up on a 265-pounder. It's the biggest pig I've ever killed to date by 40 or 50 pounds. And I had to take a quartering two shot at 17 yards, and I literally was in the open. He was standing there looking at me like, what are you doing, right? And he was quartering two and I said, Ed Ashby says, this is gonna work. Shoot him right on the point of the shoulder. And I draw back 54 pounds going 175 and I let go. And it makes a chut sound and the fletchings disappear in him. It penetrated five feet and the broadhead popped out his butt. He went down and started spinning. I thought it broke his back. Well, I'm standing there dumbfounded. Literally my mouth is hanging open. I'm used to seeing the arrows stop. And you know, three quarters of the arrow sticking out. No, it goes chutting, disappears all the way through five feet of pig. I'm literally, I'm, you stand there. I'm just like, I could shoot him again. So I lose my crap. <laughs> my brain's going sideways. I re string an arrow. He runs by me at about four yards and I shoot right over the top of him. Like a dumbass. We found him. He went hundred yards and went down. And I said, that's amazing. I was 70 feet per second slower than my compound, shooting the same weight. And I penetrated five feet on a quarter and two shot on a big feral hog. Okay, I'm done. It was amazing. And the so, sound of just chut. And it broke, I mean it broke a bone on the way in. It didn't go pop or anything. It just went chut and kept going. It was phenomenal.
1: So that was like four before or five. Before we years. Get,
3: before we continue, oh. what's the so we know we got a duck hunter out there. Man, I don't know why the hell you shoot ducks. They taste terrible. Feed them to your damn dog, but they're fun. I like, I like shotguns. So let's hear about the experience of the other two guys.
1: I'm mostly, mostly whitetail. Now I'll I'll go out for turkeys and uh, really anything if I get the opportunity, but the focus is on, is on whitetails. So.
0: Right. Yeah. I grew up, uh, same thing, hunting whitetails in Ohio uh, out of a tree stand. And then Pennsylvania has a two week long rifle season and, hunt the the mountains in Pennsylvania and um just went out for our first elk hunt last year so that was that was a real life changer. Uh, yeah,
3: that's a game that's a different game, brother. And you yeah. got to be aggressive.
0: Yeah, it's uh you know a lot of people compared it to spring turkey hunting and I didn't really understand it until I got out there and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is spring turkey hunting." Right. Jason
1: them
3: yeah. Elk hate me. I'm the worst elk hunter ever.
1: <laughs> you just got you got to go out with Doctor Doolittle. He knows how
0: to call them.
3: Yeah, that was,
1: that was his job when they were out there. So.
0: Apparently, but yeah, I got a uh, I got I got pretty good at the uh, the bugle in the time that we decided we were going out there, and the time that we got there. The got- elk
3: elk are one of my biggest concerns uh, from what I do. Um, you can say there's deer arrows, but. Generally speaking, a grown man raises, you know, you can shoot a 25-06 at a whitetail deer and it's fine. But generally speaking, people tend to man up with their rifles to go elk hunting, and you should because the shots are so much further out there. A 300-yard shot in the West is a normal shot. A 300-yard shot where I deer hunt or where y'all deer hunt is not possible about 99% of the time. You're shooting tight, right? Some of that shotgun work. So most people go up to 30 caliber, and I've never understood why we go elk hunting with a very light projectile when an animal is, you know, four times bigger. Just seriously, structurally, density-wise, hair-wise, mud-wise, um, it's fascinating to me. <laughs> it's, the math is the same. The higher mass projectiles carry more mass. and carry more energy downrange. More to come on that. I've already done videos on that. I was amazed, actually by the results. Careful. So if, if
1: anybody has listened to, to any of Troy's videos or the podcast and different things, you've got quite the vocabulary of, of unique terms. Uh, and, and I want to go, <laughs> I, well, and I'm still trying to learn them out. You know, I kind of have to go back mm-hmm. and look at some of these mm-hmm. posts and different things. But uh, yep. we'll start with, with FOC. And okay. I know this is an acronym, right? And then there's a few different things it could stand for, but what briefly on all these what do what, what you what's foc fear of change i knew that <laughs> okay, no, i knew
3: that's, that's what, what was coming be. fear <laughs> of change um ford of center so it's an aeronautical term it's a very well established aeronautical term that higher forward of center projectiles are more stable in flight than a balanced system there are jets in the military that are almost zero for the center. And they require a computer to fly them because they are so erratic and they're so prone to uh, veering off course that the computer constantly is adjusting them. So our goal is a very stable projectile because an arrow is always flying. Most people equate flying with from the bow to the target. It's still flying in meat. If it's unstable in the air, when it hits something hard, it becomes less stable. So you want something that's stable in flight. And then when it encounters something very dense, it's still very stable. So forward to center is the amount of mass forward of the center of the arrow, literally, bounce on your finger. And Ed Ashby's beginnings of seeing penetration increases was at 19% forward to center. There are mathematical calculations all over the internet. There are tools that will tell you what your forward to center is. Normal forward to center these days is about 8 to 10, which is moderately unstable aeronautically. And then 20, I started to see massive differences in penetration at 16 if I really split it down. And I'm currently shooting about 24. So I run 640 grains and 24% forward to center with a 200 grain single bevel that's just become, I've gotten used to it up to 50, you know, just now it's normal to me. Gotcha. I've shot as many, as much as a thousand and hunted with it. And it's fantastic. They do not stop. You shoot them anywhere. Thousand grain arrow just goes right through them.
1: Was it on your Instagram or somewhere I saw the other day. I think the guy shot through the
3: side of the wall. Maybe it was one of your videos. On, um, had one guy shot through the wall and skipped off the ground and hit a maintainer, blew his arrow up. Yeah, yeah that was he incredible. was he was paper tuning and forgot to put his target up. Yeah. <laughs> shot right through the side <laughs> of his barn and yeah. went through the house. Came out, skipped off the ground, hit his maintainer, and the arrow was you know exploded. And that maintainer was like fifty yards in the house. It, that was that arrow went it was trucking. That was Yeah, incredible. that guy's cool. That guy's fun. All right, what is the vital V? So the vital V is a, there's a book out called uh, The Perfect Shot. It's written by a veterinarian in South Africa. And he, hit that is his term. I do not know the guy's name. The vital V is where the junction of the heart and all the major vessels come out of the animal. And it is the most lethal place to place a projectile with the antenna putting something on the ground. I, I just tell you, shoot straight up the leg, lower one third, tight, in front of the crease. There's nothing there. So the V is the humerus bone actually goes forward towards the neck. And then the shoulder blades almost straight vertical. And on a white tailed deer, there's, there's a hole in there, about three quarters the size of a cantaloupe. And it's all rib cage except what's behind it is all the major vessels feeding the whole body and when you shoot through that area the animals go into a, a, a uh, the medical term called uh, cardiogenic shock and that means if you take a water hose and you turn on you know you put a, a sprayer on the end and stop it and turn it on full blast and cut the hose the water that sprays out from your house it's infinite because of the city but in an animal it's not and they actually go into shock because the blood is rushing towards the middle of the animal and the legs can't work and they go down in a hurry. So it is the vital lead.
1: So, and that leads to the dead deer don't run.
3: That's correct. They don't dead deer. I say that all the time, the dead deer don't run. They can't, they can't. I mean, the blood loss is so fast. You can shoot them behind the crease and cut the lungs and it's lethal. It's not as lethal as cutting a major vessel. There's a lot of major vessels back there. I'm talking about this piping right out of the heart. So lower one-third, straight up the leg on the broadside shot. On a quarter and away shot, stay on the crease and just lower one-third and blow them down. And aim for the opposite shoulder and rock them.
1: So this, this is not about me, but uh, I, am, I can say I am a witness to, to this. And uh, Saturday when we were out, the shot I hit was a little bit high. But that, and I, I hit her about 15 yards. She ran to 35 and stood there Yep. and didn't move and just stood. Yep. And it felt like she stood there for an hour. It was probably more like five minutes, yeah, right. but uh, eventually she laid down and and all, all was done. But she, I don't think she could run. Like, like you said, some, she knew something was wrong and, and it was not working right on the inside. So I, I have witnessed this idea that they don't run. Uh, I've shot
3: multiple deer back when I was bow hunting when I used to I shot trad for 10 years and um, I've shot multiple deer were 10 yards you shoot them and they just hop they kind of run over there and they're like what the hell and they're looking around and then exactly and it's really I talked to Aaron Snyder about this Um, we're trying to reduce the number of variables once you've shot so the first variable is the arrow can't break. The broadhead can't fail. The, the structural integrity must handle whatever it hits. If you pull it left and hit the, hit the bones, it needs to go through. And it can't fail when it goes through it. It can't explode the blades can't pop off. The, the old flapper can't be sparking and shooting the blades off and stuff. It's gotta stay intact and stay sharp because we're all human. But this is just one more thing. If you can shoot a very high mass projectile and go zipping through them and they don't know they're hit and they don't run 50 yards or they walk 50 yards, it's an easier recovery. And it's one variable. I talked to the hunting public about this too. When I first started watching them before I you know, became friends with them, every time they shot a deer in the afternoon, they went back, got everybody, got all their lights. And then there were these videos of these tracking jobs. And I was like, bro, Nah, we don't need to do that. There's some t- somewhat of a shot placement issue, but pulling that arrow forward and getting to go all the way through so they don't have anything sticking out of their body is a huge asset to the recovery deal. And you're already bailing off in the woods. Public guys have to drag stuff. I just drive the scooter up to them. You know, I might have to drag a deer like 10 yards and throw it in the scooter and drive off. Well, I mean, it's very, very humane, but uh, very first world. But we if you are a mile back, so you shoot a deer and then it's a two hour tracking job and it's 1130 before you get back to the truck. Right. Let's just take that out of the equation. Kill them.
1: <laughs> Wait, the one we got on Saturday, we we learned the, the hard way there on the dragging. That was uh, quite the workout. But anyway, OK, what is an adult arrow?
3: So I consider an adult arrow to be something with a fixed blade broadhead on it that's hand sharpenable and reusable, step one, with great steel, and over 550 grams is where I start my kind of adult idea. So you load the front, add 100-grain insert, shoot 150 or 200-grain point, get the arrows got to fly. It's got a bear shaft. There's no excuses there. You can't just load up old 340-spine Twizzler and launch it off the old 70-pounder and have the thing going sideways like a banana. That's not. It's not the way to run it. So it starts at the broadhead and it starts with the idea that you're penetrating the target. There's a whole lot of conversations in this world that I get a lot of heat about getting it there. It's going to drop. It's going to be too slow. La, 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 da la, la. And I just say, will your Twizzler penetrate? And everybody just wants to deliver the thing on target. I don't care anymore break the armor and learn how to hit it it's a totally different mindset
1: i know troy corey and i've had some some discussions about uh, this mm-hmm. idea over over the last few months but yeah i think in a perfect world you could kill a deer with a field point if you put it in the right spot and it was you know got there fast enough but i think the most of us are, are human and we don't always hit exactly in that right spot. So to have something that's got a little bit more oomph to get through ribs and penetrate and all that kind of stuff, it's only gonna make us better and more efficient as hunters. That's kind
3: of the philosophy, right? No, it's hundred percent the philosophy. We have okay. to take the human, the human into consideration, right? There's a couple of, of the big TV guys who've been coming after me and they just claim they never miss. That's bullshit. You you just cut that stuff out and put it on the chop on like, You just don't put that in there, right? Everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. Gets cold. You got to piss. Things are the deer's not standing there. You're not standing and had nine warm-up shots. Right. And I would like to see the highest, you know, efficiency projectile. I will not say mechanical broadheads don't kill deer. I've done it. I shot a black wildebeest. In Africa, and I shot it right in the heart, and blood shot out five feet. It was amazing with a rage broadhead, the original rage back in the old days when you really had to be careful with them and they'd pop apart. They were in the had, quiver. No, yeah, right. You yeah, had to pull it out of the quiver and then reset the blades. I was in a pit line, so it didn't matter. You could do whatever you want. Had the ice chest. It was totally freaking, you know, candy ass steel. It wasn't like legit walking around. But uh, I smoked that thing, buried the broadhead in the uh, opposite leg bone shooting 425 grains. But when I started shooting pigs with them, they just laughed at me. They would just suck those things up and go, ha, woo, they were gone. Or it was an absolute crime scene. It was either hero or zero with, when I started whacking pigs with them. When I got it right, it was amazing. <laughs> when I didn't get it right, it was equally amazing. The I'm with
1: one. you. I'm with yeah. you. I've seen it.
3: I don't not know on, what y'all's the experience has been with all the stuff and how many deer y'all shot i've shot a crap load of animals and uh i'm just having mostly it's the short blood trails i now know and i'll tell you i lost one the other day he's not dead so i've been hunting this one pig he's about 250 pounds a big fat porky pig square all the way down he doesn't have the big hump or anything He just look out looks like he's right out of the farm and i hunted him like 15 times before i got a shot at him 650 grains, two blade, single bevel, the Ranch Fairy tough head, sharpened, shave your face, shoot through, just goes right through him. Except I shot, he took a step forward. I shot four inches back. Gone. He showed up at another feeder. He didn't like that feeder anymore. Didn't kill him. He showed up two weeks later at another feeder. The guy who owns the property goes, well, your pig's back. He didn't die. (laughs) They're so tough. And that was, but, but here's, here's the point of that story. That's on me. Nothing else failed. I shot poorly, but the arrow didn't fail. And I've had arrows explode and break. I've had, we had, I had a buddy shot four pigs with a rage and a full metal jacket and the inserts ripped out. I've got four shafts, pictures of shafts with the the hit torqued. I think the blades were deploying inconsistently and torquing the shaft and then they would tear out. The pigs, it, it went in like two inches. I mean, the pig just ran around with new jewelry, made fun of us with his friends. So that's been my experience. Now it's me. And I shot poorly on that pig, but it, it went through him. It, it cut him. It was shaving sharp when it was on the ground. It went through him like it wasn't there and he didn't die. That's eh, it. That, okay, that's I can live with that. Yeah, That's right. Incredible. It's like catch and release fishing.
2: Yeah. I For should just animal. start
3: payballing <laughs> <laughs> Okay. have to clean them.
1: All right. So on the opposite side of the adult arrows, you got sizzlers or twizzlers. I, I've heard you refer to them as a few different things.
3: Uh, Twizzler what? to me is just, a. it's a very common to be shooting underspined arrows just to go fast. So an arrow in flight that's under spine wobbles back and forth between the fletchings and the point up and down. And we have a high speed camera now and it's inches of wobble. Now, if the shaft is flexing up and down, what's the broadhead doing? It's pointing up, it's pointing down and it's rotating. Guess what that does to your aeroflight? flight? The broadhead's planing in the air the whole time. It never stabilizes. So well, that's the, and then at impact, it turns into a banana. I've actually caught that on video. I shot my target with a 25 pound dumbbell on it and took an untuned, off the shelf gold tip, 400 spine arrow, shot it through a 70 pound bow going probably 325 with a 100 grand point. And when it hits a target, the shaft just wobbles back and forth like a metronome. And then I shot my 20% arrow that's fully tuned and it just goes whack. I mean, it's dead in the target. And that's going to penetrate. All that shaft shake is, is, uh, is energy. So that's the combination of the shaft flexing, the broadhead hitting at whatever the hell angle it hits at. And then when it hits something hard, the point slows down. There's no debating this. The point slows down first. The ass is still coming. It doesn't know the front's hit yet. And then it flexes like crazy terrible thing for penetration because then it redirects the head as well. There's so much going on there. I can't wait to do more high speed stuff. The high speed camera's cool as hell. Very, very, very cool. Um
1: you kind of covered it. I guess we'll go to this when we're talking about the spine uh on the arrow, it's obviously well not obviously but it's it's how much that shaft is going to flex, right? And generally, the lower the number, the stiffer the, yep. the arrow, right? So the lower the number of spine, you know, what, what you can get, like, 250, 250
3: you know? 250 is considered pretty stiff. That's normal in the high to center world. A 150 is super stiff. And, uh, you know, the most common shafts are probably 340s right now. Flying around with everybody. Gotcha. Our, our non-converted individual... What are you what are you shooting uh right now i
0: have uh 300 spine Easton full oh, metal right. jackets what's that
3: oh you're shooting a full metal jacket okay yeah. we'll
0: so <laughs> they there are 12
3: 12 gpi
0: and i got you are not a, shooting a really light arrow okay no i got a uh, 50 grain insert 125 grain point.
3: Well, you said you weren't shooting, you weren't a convert. You're just shooting the worst arrow on earth. Other than that, you're doing fine. I know,
0: Okay, so I wanted to ask you about this.
3: <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you a question before you start. What yes. what's the in, are you shooting a hit that's fifty grains? Or are you, did you put a real insert in there?
0: No, no, I I got the Easton hit, and I don't like it, and that's why I'm going to change. They're the worst. Yes, that I don't like it at all. Okay, so. I you know it seems like every website you go to, no matter what the arrow manufacturer is these days, they have some kind of FOC build on their website now. Yeah, like right. Whether it's Black Eagle, whoever. That's uh, a ranch very effect. Yep. Yep. So like, so I was thinking about this the other day with these skinnies, like with the .166 ultra micro diameter, or you know, arrows uh if i you know normally i would shoot a 300 spine but with like something like a 0.166 i almost have to drop to a 250 spine just to get the weight anywhere near or else no
3: no no you load the front
0: that's what i was gonna say okay so either either i drop a spine or load the front but if i go with like a 300 spine and i'm shooting let's say my total my my uh valley of knock to end of. uh insert or uh, front of insert is like 27 inches let's say okay and then i'm shoot and that's going to be like 204 grains and then i go with like their focus system which is going to be whatever point i pick but it's going to be 80 80 grains so i'm going to go like 200 grain broadhead brother let's go 180 200 up front
3: yep and you're at the same weight you're shooting now exactly yeah so I i'm playing with the you, micro stuff right now it's so tuning, fantastic tuning wise
0: what do i need to be aware of when i start to tune from like a full metal jacket style arrow to something with way more uh foc
3: nothing you need nothing. to just go find out so i wouldn't spitball it okay yeah i would not just say i'm shooting this what's your draw weight? 28 draw weight 70 Shoot a 250. Don't even shoot a 300. Just don't waste your time. Because you're going down in grains per inch, you can shoot a stiffer shaft, which is stiffer on impact. And you can probably put 135 grain insert in the front, 100 grain insert, no problem. And then run what I would, exactly is what I'd do. I'd get 250s, I'd cut them 27 and a half inches, whatever, don't cut your finger. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to shoot adult broadheads. They're not all collapsed up and safe. Theoretically, you got to have clear. So clear the front of the riser. Seriously, yep. you you will stick your finger up and cut the hell out of yourself. I've had multiple yeah. friends do it. You don't know you're doing it, right? And and you got a deer and your brain's not working, right? Just crazy stuff. Cut them a little longer. They're already stiff. Yep. Cut the fletchings off, and then I would get 125. I'd get a heavy insert. I get at least a hundred. You, if it's a blackie, you can put screw ins in the back for find something that's heavier. And I would get 100, 150, and 200 grain field points. Okay. 125 150 200 don't go to 100 that's for sissies <laughs> and um god who shoots that so and shoot all three of them bear shaft mm-hmm. and just see what happens and do your normal tuning if you got to bend the bow whatever If you got a yoke tuner if you do all that stuff i don't know i have a elite so you just unscrew the stuff and it's got tuning for idiots written on the side it's like a denny's menu such a good system so i would get a bear shaft to fly yeah yeah and the reason why i say 125 150 and 200 because you can find those broadhead weights yes 175 is really hard to find and just go play
0: i just uh today i just ordered my uh i just ordered my grizzly stick text test pack so Oh, there you
3: go. Okay, well, you're going to go 12 factors. Let's roll. You put a 300-grade point. Let's go <laughs> 650,
0: baby. Let's roll this deal. Let's do it. I got the 240 and the 320, and I was going to do exactly what you said. I'm going to start out bear shafting and just see which one my bow likes best.
3: That's the easiest thing to do. So this is a great question about spine. Everybody thinks spine is spine. It's not. A 300 spine arrow, cut 26 inches long, is a 250. Yeah, something like that. But if it's 31 inches long, it's a 460. It's softer. So what happens when you change the point weight at a with a fixed arrow spot length, and change the point weight? You're changing the way the arrow bends. You're changing the spine every point weight, and one of them will fly gotta
0: find that happy medium right because like the a shorter arrow is going to be stiffer but increased point weight is going to kind of we'll soften it it up it's going to make it weaker right
3: that's right that's exactly right so that's why i have my test kits on sirius i say two sh- two sh- two spines we got you get four arrows you get two different spines they're cut to your length 100 grain inserts are standard because why not and then i we send out five field point 10 field points but they're five different weights you essentially have 10 different arrows. Every point weight and two shafts, you shoot all of them and see what it wants to eat. It's like yeah. it's like shooting ammo through a rifle. Yeah. I have a 30 yard 6 that loves 165 grain core locks. Well, it'll shoot 180s and 150s are fine, but the 165 is canceled. So I shoot that one, right? It's the same kind of strategy with a much more complex projectile. bows suck. Yes. Then this is why I could get three 300 wind mags, go to the ranch, zero them two inches high at 100 with loophole scopes, and mail them to all three of you guys. You would not have to zero. Go kill an elk. Just go shoot the damn gun. It's going to be fine. Bows? No. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody hangs on to them different and all that, so it's really a complex flying projectile. Feel free to send that rifle whenever you're ready. To <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, yeah. You want a Remmy yeah. or a Seiko? Yeah, or, no, you know, I, whatever. Baguera I'm not gonna judge, or...
2: man. Whatever you want. Yeah, right. Send, you're man. not gonna
3: judge me. Left nope. nope, not at all.
2: Okay, okay. Troy, I yeah, just right. want—I just want to say thank you,
1: Troy, because every day I talk to Corey and he starts <gasps> rattling off all these numbers and different things, and I'm just like whoosh, right over my head, yeah. and then you yeah. just. Ate that all up and gave it right back to him, and you guys can speak the same language. I just buy in and say this is what I'm gonna shoot. So,
3: probably the most from the numbers perspective, me and the Rocket Man did some videos with a uh, lab radar, and lab is a gizmo that measures the projectile flying at distance. And we shot out to 60, and despite the arrow speed decreasing, the high speed was 294 out of my bow at 388 grains, and the low speed was 210 shooting 710, the momentum was 40% higher at 60 yards with a slow fat chunker. That's how much contribution to momentum the mass was at 60 yards. Oh sure, the 388 got there in a hurry. To the to the detriment of a 40% reduction in momentum at impact. You're already shooting something that's only got, you know, let's talk kinetic energy, 80 foot pounds. Not 2,000. Guns are overwhelming. They've got so much energy, you can sacrifice it somewhat. We're shooting 70 foot pounds of kinetic energy. Nothing. Nothing. And if you lose 40% of that at impact to 60 yards, that's a disaster waiting to happen. That's back to my elk argument. So you take the animal you increase the animal in four, four times bigger than a deer and you cut your momentum down 40%. That doesn't make any damn sense in the world. But nobody's ever framed it that way. So that was fun to do. I was surprised by the results, actually. I've seen it on meat. I, I know that like my pig example, I know it's me. I've reduced all the variables. I, it's just me missing. Now, I've broken shoulders. I've broken spines. I've shot them full length. I shot one pig under the nuts and had it hit it in the back of the head. That is super effective. Isn't <laughs> that, and that, a, and that a Texas Wait, what are they heart shot? That
0: now? Isn't that the Texas head shot? Texas yeah. heart shot. Texas heart shot. That's yeah, it. there
3: you go. It's really good on big pigs because they're <laughs> on the ground if you're not so trim and you're a ground hunter, let's just say you're not so trim guy and you're a ground hunter. Yeah. Right. There's those guys out there. If you, those big pigs, there's yeah, nothing right. in between their legs. There's literally it's guts. The arrow just whistles through them and goes all the way to the front. Let's go to way? the nuts. Yeah. And you aim about two inches below the nuts and you turn it loose and they go like that. They <laughs> and they kind of run off on their toes. and they to Oh, there's no blood trail. They don't go anywhere. <laughs> Ugh, what a way to go. Like, yeah, right. That's terrible, right? Shooting wow. them in the so nuts I, is too I, high, So, you, but it's a big <laughs> target. So you just go on the nuts and you go right below it. You say, that's about right. And shoot them <laughs> right for the back of the head. And the arrow just ends up right you know, where their spine and their head meet. And the sound they make is awful. It's the sound I would make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they kind of run off on their toes. They don't run very well after that.
0: It's really I good. Shot. A
3: skewer. You don't even need to skewer anything. That's oh, yeah, a- right. Well, yeah, you get a small one, but the big one's arrows in there, and you're oh, <laughs> digging it, the It's nasty. So oh, I, okay. I have,
2: I have, I have a pretty basic question for you. Um, okay. I was at a bow shop. I was getting my bow set up, and we're talking about heavy arrows, and the guy was just like, "If you want, you know, kinetic energy, just add a few more pounds to your bow to your draw length." Does that make any sense at all? I mean, like that that was, the, that was the objection to the heavy arrows. You know, he disregarded the heavy arrow setup, just add weight, just add poundage to your bow. That's all you need to do.
3: So it is a fact that if you've increased the draw weight, you will increase the kinetic energy. And it is a it is equivalent to pissing in the ocean. You won't gain that much. You really have to bounce poundage. We're talking 15 or 20. We're not talking five. Yeah. So this is gonna blow everybody's mind but I'm sorry, a bow is a fixed kinetic energy device. There isn't any more kinetic energy. It is set for draw weight, it is set for draw length, and the projectile weighs what it weighs. There isn't any more kinetic energy. It can't put it into the system. However, when you increase speed, that would be draw weight, (coughs) or you increase mass, the downrange kinetic energy improves. So at launch, whatever you're shooting, the kinetic energy is the same. And we did this in a graph and we ran the same set, 388, six arrows, 388 to 714 grains. And the kinetic energy only went up four foot pounds. At launch, okay, the bow has no more energy. However, downrange, that's the 40% thing. Downrange at sixty yards, it was a forty percent improvement in kinetic energy because the mass still is heavy. So he is right, but you're talking about okay. So let's say we got seventy pounds, and you go to eighty. So that's a fourteen percent increase in in draw weight at at what you know when it's cold and all that you can't draw. There's a lot to deal with at 80 pounds. How easy is it to add 200 grains and 50% to your arrow? Well, you spine up one level and add 100, 200 grains at the front and get it to fly bear shaft. It's some easier way to get the kinetic energy down range. That's what nobody's talking about. Everybody's shooting it at the muzzle. And if any of you guys own a 6.5 Creedmoor, I'm sorry, but same bullshit with the 6.5. I don't These understand ass it. are slinging that 140-grain bullet around shooting elk and stuff. That's, Come on, brother. I don't understand it. They're like, oh, yeah, you can kill an elk with a 6.5. It's the flattest shooter around. You can. Yeah. After about seven shots. <laughs> <laughs> but it's what gets me is I'm 52 years old, right? The 6.5 has been around for 120 years. And then all of a sudden they just rediscover 6.5. Woo! <laughs> It's bull crap. I've got a 264 Win Mag. It's a 6.5 caliber bullet going super fast. It's on a 375 H&H cartridge, if I remember right. When you pull the trigger, it lets you know you're there. That damn thing will light you up. That's funny. Um, okay, Troy, I
1: just moving on to some of this other stuff. Okay, when I started archery, it was probably 15 years ago. And mm-hmm. at basic bow and everything, one of the biggest questions I had to decide was fixed blade or mechanical. Yep. Then six months ago, I was introduced to this idea of a single bevel broadhead. Can you give yep. us a, a brief description of, of a single bevel broadhead and, and what the benefits are of it versus okay, the other? According
3: to Ed's study, this is not my information, it was 27 years long, 1,035 shots and 118 data points on each shot on animals. Never been done, probably will never be done again. Ashby Foundation, we're trying, but I don't know why I'm going to be able to spend three months in, in Australia shooting buffaloes. That'll be fun when we get to do it, but backing up to the question. So most, broadhead, most cutting devices have bevels on both sides and they are equally the same size. Just look at any knife you've got. A single bevel only has a bevel on one side. And then opposing on the other side, it has a bevel on the other side when the back side's flat. There's two advantages to it. One is it is 50% thinner than the double bevel broad, the double bevel anything. So be careful when you read that there's a 20 degree bevel on a double bevel broadhead. It's 20 on one side and it's 20 on the other. That's a 40 degree. There's a lot of marketing stuff on that, especially on the three blades. They say it's a 30 degree. It's not. There's 30 and 30. It's 60. It's very steep. It's fine, but just just know that. So the single-bevel broadhead is only one plane on one side. So it's half as thick, twice as sharp, theoretically. Thinner-edged. Easier to sharpen and a very, very fine cutting edge. Has to be made out of great steel. Warning to you single bevel broadhead people. If you're looking under 60 bucks for three, be very careful what pot metal from China they are making those pieces of crap out. There's a few people with cheap single bevels and the steel is garbage and it will cost you. It will fail on impact. Okay, second part is, and I wish we had video to show this because I've actually got this on, I've got pieces of wood. But because there's a bevel on one side of one blade and a bevel on the other, they are not on the same plane. So for you folks that have a cut on contact, double bevel broadhead, look down the front of it and you'll see that both of the edges are both vertically in the same line. A single bevel broadhead is shifted off to each side and it rotates on impact with hard things. And if it's harder, it rotates more. What it does is it will break things and allow the shaft to come through. So the, the cutting edge is not discussed enough. That really thin edge is phenomenal on internal organs, super destructive. It also cuts on a little bit of an angle so nothing can line back up. And then the torquing piece is just an inclined plane and it's a mechanical machine It's like a pry bar and it can't help, but uh, the only thing most people would have is a wood chisel. Wood chisels are single bevel. Good, hand-plane wood chisels are single bevel. And that's the closest thing you'll ever, you'll see it to a normal person. But the the thin edge, great steel, and then the rotation is probably overhyped too much. Because on normal hits, you don't see a lot of rotation. But you will see some absolute devastation on big heavy bones. With a proper, it's got to be heavy enough. 450 grams of a single bevel doesn't, you're pissing off a rope. It's a little bit of help, but the mass, there's a thing called impetus of motion. And it's the amount of time that the, the projectile can keep pushing. And it's a direct correlation to mass. It's the train versus the VW deal. The train's really hard to slow down. It just takes a long time. So what you want is a high mass, efficient, high mass projectile with efficient broadhead. And when that thing starts pushing, it just keeps pushing. And the bone only has something hard. Chest wall hits, this is not applicable. It'll just shoot right through. It's fine. That's what you want. But should you make a mistake, you get a quartering two and you get aggressive like you should, shooting the vital V, quartering away and you hit the humerus, it pushes longer. The bone only has so much resistance and then it fractures. So you want to push a long time. And it's hard without pictures. It's really hard. But I'm going to speak at ATA this year and I'm going to probably have those um, examples in my hand. We'll see where that goes. I don't get run out of the floor and get tomatoes thrown at me by all the pros. <laughs> hey man, it's just science. I'm not sure it's says science. Doesn't care what you think. And then uh, start kicking people in the balls. It'll be fun. <laughs> it will get Western, but oh god.
2: So you know, like
0: it's it's funny that you say that though. But it like when you see when you first get into bow hunting or something like that, and you go to a big box store and you get your bow set up, and then you look at broadheads. And you've been watching hunting shows on television. The thing you see is, on every single mechanical broadhead, for the most part that you buy, will flies just like field points. It flies just like field points, and they that's do. what everybody wants to do. So they don't have to do any extra tuning. Yep. And it just—I you know, agree. It's—it's it's just like a shortcut. But you're right. Like the the fi- the cut on contact broadheads take a little bit more effort,
3: but they are. The efficiency I, I is make, massive comparatively on impact. Yeah. It it's
0: yeah it it, it it is unbelievable. Like you know you want something that you could just slap on your arrow and go hunting right away.
3: You don't want to have to do any extra work. It's the fact you know, that they are more aerodynamic. There's no there's no getting around that. I mean, the claims that they are easy to tune is a fact. Field points are easy to tune. That's why I always say when you bear shaft, field points are liars. And you gotta check your broadheads. You have to shoot a broadhead. Because if you didn't get everything just right, I'll give you an example. I shoot 65 at 20 and a half. I've got a cure, and now I have the new remedy, which I love. I think it's long, it's 34 inches long. And god, it's stable. I mean, it's just a stupid bow. You just hit the trigger and just shoots it. It's just beautiful. <laughs> but when I first had Sirius send me their micros, they sent me the 300 spine in there and two fifties. And I tuned both and I got them both to bear shaft. I got a 24% forward to center arrow at 560 grams with a 300 spine arrow because the shaft's so light. And I said, it's the golden goose. You get to the mid twenties and forward to center and you're starting to talk about a different projectile altogether. D- despite the mass, Ed will tell you if you get your four to center near 30, you can reduce the mass. The four to center does all the work. More, more to come. I got the 300s to bear shaft and I put a broadhead on, and they were just weird. They didn't shoot loops, they didn't fly all over the place. They just wouldn't hold. And if you start thinking about your form, and then they, if you you know get your nostril just in the middle and then you hold your lip and you stick your tongue to the left and that's when it shoots perfect you're not going to do that when you're shooting a deer in other words if you try to form out this shaft that's just close it's going to fail you deer hunting you're going to miss by four inches five you're going to have my big pig experience right you just made a bad shot and i was sitting there scratching my head and i said wait a second stop you're the ranch fairy you believe that you should try all the shafts. I put it 250 on back up to 40 and that brought him went right down the freaking middle. And I did it five times in a row and I said, it's close on spine. So at bare shafted field points, beautifully. But when I put that extra resistance, it's called lift. Lift is an aeronautical term because airplanes fly up and down. But in spinning sticks, Lift is in all directions. Because the broadhead is rotating in the air, it lifts in 360 degrees. How's that for getting? Man, your brain is smoking right now under that red hat, brother. You're about to that damn thing's about to burn off.
0: I, I know, I know. That's,
1: <laughs> that, that's his that's his red hair is burning off. Right.
3: So the shaft when you shoot a fixed blade broadhead is lifting in three in the direction. As it rotates, it's lifting in all directions. It's pressing sideways and up and down. And so that's what was happening to me. It was a little underspine. It took off and started wandering. And one would go left two inches and one would go right. It wasn't five. And then I put a 250 on it and it just went down the hill, you know, down the way. You still got me?
1: Yeah, you went you went dark on there, but uh, oh, we can my hear you.
3: Called. I'll call him back. Okay. So Sorry. I didn't mean to smoke your head out there with the lift thing, but the Rocket Man <laughs> has got me all smart. <laughs> okay, Troy. So that's one thing you got to check. Yeah.
1: What in Ohio we we do have a lot of crossbow hunters. Is this yep. something you can take into the crossbow world or
3: Absolutely. I would steal all that speed and dump a ton of energy down the range. I mean, you want to talk about a meat axe? But that velocity is like, you know, 40% higher than a vertical, but we just can't get there. But there's a guy, uh, there's a YouTube channel called Dragon Deer TV, I think, or Dragon Deer. And he did uh, a whole series on crossbows with higher forward and center. Serious Archery makes crossbow bolts that are super high end, uh, really nice and roving. And they have 100 grain inserts in them, which is odd to hard to find for that diameters or whatever. And, uh, you know, you run a 200-grain point on a thing. You're talking about shooting a 570-grain projectile going 400. I mean, you can just shoot them anywhere. Just aim for the heart. It don't matter what angle it is. It's going. Those crossbows are amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I shot some. I was with Jeff Johnson. He's an outdoor writer for NRA Magazine. a bunch of big publications. We went to Oklahoma. And he had... A 440 foot per second Raven competitor. I don't know what it is. And he had that Garmin thing on it. And it's got levelers in it. You zero it at 20, it's good to 100. And it made no noise. It just went, took.
1: Stupid quiet. It was
3: awesome. God, it was all an ass.
1: They're incredible.
3: They are. That thing was crazy, And the price tags are fantastic too. God forbid.
0: Wow. God. Yeah. I think that scope was
1: 1600 bucks. Oh shoot. Um, All right. So just a couple more things real quick. We'll let you go. We really appreciate everything, but um, if you were to give just a general Ohio whitetail hunter, what, what kind of setup are we looking at? Is it 550 grains plus? Is it 24%? foc plus is it what what kind of numbers should should we be looking for for so the, what
3: i would say is a very easy arrow to tune is try to get to 550 get a cut on contact god help you please don't shoot 100 grams but at least 125 magnus is a great brand to start with magnus stingers and buzz cuts are and black horned are great you know start out first time at this deal and try to get to 550 with perfect AeroFlight flight, air shaft. So I have a couple of videos on my channel. One is called "The Process," and another one just says in the thumbnail "Perfect Arrow Flight." And I discuss this. 550 is a 100 grand insert and 150 grand point. The key here is not to shoot the full metal jacket. Do not load. Do not load the arrow up. Because it creates instability aerodynamically. It is a fact. There's no getting around this. It's an aeronautic field. 10th grade model rocket kids know this better than, you know, the best shooters in the world. So you want a moderate GPI shaft a normal carbon. Black Gold Tip Hunter XTs are fantastic for this. To go play. Go buy a set of them, get a 100 grand inserts. just slap them in there, and just go break some stuff. I have kits on serious archery. I have a, a kit you can tune with. I have shafts that are fletched. I have videos on my channel. One of them is about it says four fletch yup, and I kind of talk about why you want to shoot four fletch and why my arrows, my brand, my Ranchberry brand, are four fletch. And um, can and you still play?
1: Can you give us a quick rundown on why four fletch? Because sure. that was actually one of my questions I had earlier that I forgot. Yeah,
3: sure. So. Uh, there's a couple of reasons. One is, this is, get that hat, loosen that hat up there, buddy. Your head's about to start smoking again. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, more aeron- aeronautics here. So there's this thing called center of pressure and a thing called center of gravity on the stick. And it is the difference between how much pressure the point puts on the air and how much pressure the tail puts on the air. And the, water- the further apart you can get those two points, the more stable the projectile is. Think of a weather vane. And weather vanes for the wind always have the stick right in the middle. So they're real, real critical on the wind. You do not want that in a flying stick. If you took a weather vane and you put the put the stick for the weather vane way to the front, it would tend to not wave as easily. The wind would have to get pretty strong to make it orient to whatever, it wouldn't be five miles an hour. That's kind of an example of stability. So The four-flesh does a couple of things. It adds some stability to the back. It it is aerodynamically offsetting the lift I discussed earlier of the spinning piece of metal that's flat flying through the air. It offsets that. Secondarily, I like them because you don't have to look down. So if you do a follow-up shot, if you hit the knock, if you get the knock on the string, it's square. On a three-fleshed arrow it is possible on a lot of bow platforms that the, if you just don't look and you get it cockeyed, that the vein will hit the cables. And your follow-up shot will now be screwed because it's going to kick right as it comes off the string. So those are the two reasons we shoot four-fledged.
1: Awesome. Yep. Corey, Paul, do you guys have anything else? Do you have any other questions?
0: One quick question. So um, with the single bevel heads, Mm -hmm. Um, can you shoot just straight offset or do you
3: have to shoot a helical? I preferred and okay. So a straight fletched arrow is a knuckleball. Mm -hmm. The worst. Yes. Your question is different, is different than what you asked. You need to match the, match the bevel.
0: Okay. So if you have a right bevel, you need to, but can you shoot, can you shoot an offset or it doesn't matter? matter. So offset or helical. Just match the bevel.
3: Match the bevel, yeah. Right right or left, left. And it'll it'll rotate together. And that way when it hits, it's already kind of orienting that way. Ed um, thought, and he will say this, but more to come when he did test this, he felt like the single bevels performed better if they weren't rotating really fast. He felt like the mechanical machine, when that broadhead hits me, it starts rotating because of itself. He thought... That when it hits, if it wasn't rotating really fast, it torqued more. Like the lever, like, like somebody pulling on a stick, or the stick's already in motion, right? We're gonna mess up with that. Now, I shoot feathers and I shoot them almost perfectly straight fletched, as straight as I can get them on a Bitsenberg, but they are already bent. So wings on a bird are curved down. Because if they were flat, it'd be like an umbrella in a bad wind. It would flap up. <laughs> it wouldn't work worth a damn. So they're, the the actual veins of the feathers are already bent. So it's already a little helical. You have to get right or left wing feathers. Okay. So even if you fletch a feather straight, it rotates. But if you're shooting veins, which is 90% of the world. And when I go elk hunting and I do all backpacking stuff, I shoot veins. It's just practical. If it rains or something, I don't have to worry about it, right? But uh, put a little offset on them or put a little helical, but just match the bevel.
0: Okay. And
3: then it doesn't matter with uh, regular regular, uh, double bevels, shoot whatever. Yeah. Just put some helical on them. Make it rotate. Make make the arrow do something. Don't shoot a knuckleball down there and say, you know why they're shooting straight fletch? Why? They think it's faster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At at the expense of accuracy. Aerodynamic facts. It's a long damn stick, and the back's not doing anything. It's just back there riding along.
2: (laughs) Oh shoot, Paul! Anything? Oh, I'm good, man. This has been great. But
1: Troy, I really appreciate it. You want to tell everybody where uh, they can find you at?
3: Well, my name is so unique. Just type in YouTube in Google, and you'll find me. I'll you'll see some goofy picture of me making a face. It's probably not manly enough for the bow hunting world. (laughs) And um, I'm on Instagram under the Ranchberry, and then on Facebook, I'm under Ray, W R A Y Ranchberry. I'm 52, and I just don't give a damn. And somehow, the Ranch Facebook and my name got tangled together, and I don't care. I hit 5,000 followers or whatever on Facebook, and you have to change your account. I just didn't do it. I'm sorry if you've tried to friend me or whatever. It's nothing personal. I'm just old. I just don't care. And it's it's not that I don't care about the people, because all these people help me, you know, accelerate my channel. I saw that. I actually took a snapshot of it and posted it back up and said, "I'm sorry, I'm old." That's fine. I'm That's maxed weird. out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I and I, I can, can probably att-
3: do that, but ah, uh, so boring.
1: I can attest. I got it. fish
3: to catch. I got to sure. go fishing. Right. Time for that.
1: It's 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 your off season now, so it's uh. It's time to go catch some fish, but I can attest that Troy's channel is great. Uh, it's got some really good stuff, and we we kind of alluded to it throughout the the podcast. But there are companies out there. If you aren't, if you just kind of want to dip your toe in the water and see what this is like, uh, yeah, I started with Grizzly Stick, and uh, Sirius has some good uh, test packages where you guys mm-hmm. can try out. And we're not we're not endorsing any of these per se. It's just what we've seen. I'm sure there's other ones, but you can try out different grain broadheads and try out the different spines and, and pletch them and broad, shaft, broad or uh bear shaft tune them and all that kind of stuff. And just figure out what, what does work best for you. So it's not something where you got to go out and sink a thousand dollars into the, the project just to, to try it out. But I think you would be a uh, silly, not to at least give it a, give it a whirl. So.
3: Yeah, it's a, my, encourage, my encouragement to anybody listening is start this stuff in February. I get yeah. bombed. I just stopped getting bombed. I was getting 1,500 messages a month for from June through end of August. And it's all arrow tuning and try to get them to fly, which is encouraging because people are trying to make it fly. And when they get a bear shaft to fly, when you hit an animal, it's just going to go blowing through them and zip through them and you're going to have 40-yard tracking job because it's going to go where it's aimed and you know let it eat you know once again my big pig story if you screw up it is what it is but if you don't screw up it should work and if um, you are you,
0: started oh i'm sorry go ahead go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say if you are somebody who's looking online and trying to go heavier foc um always air on the stiffer side like if you're kind of wondering yeah. what spine should go with always air on the stiffer side right
3: all yeah, right yeah. Okay. or you can email me troy ranchberry.com okay I'll answer your questions or hit me on Instagram on the message thing. I'll get to them if I'm fishing. Sorry, I'll go places where the phone doesn't work. But uh, I answer literally a thousand messages a month, like I said. And it's all tuning, it's super encouraging. People are really trying to sharpen, get real broadheads, get them to fly. And it's not going to do anything but help your bow hunting. I- the arrow's going to go where you're shooting it. I think it's uh,
0: definitely like part of the natural evolution. Like when you first start out and you kind of get a do it all kit and then you start diving into like, you know, what spine should I be shooting? What's the best, what's the best setup? What's the best, you know, fletch setup, vein setup, you know, it's just the evolution of of becoming like. Yeah, sure. Just
3: go, but be curious and go play and make mistakes. It's not going to work the first time when I first, the first, when I told the story about the longbow and I set up an head arrow and killed that big pig, it took me three and a half days to bear shaft a, con- a longbow. Cause this is, this is well, right. But right. As the internet was beginning there, I had one piece of paper to explain it. And I sat out and I literally wanted to just take the bow and snap it over my knee. I mean, I was just so pissed off. And then I figured out how to do it. And all of a sudden I had a bear shaft fly. Perfect. And I did it again and it did it again and it did it again. And I said, that's crazy. And I fletched it, and man, was I a good shot. <laughs> I mean, that was amazing because the arrows were flying perfect. So if you start this and you start bear shafting, you have to be aware that you're human. You might want to mess with your grip. Fear not to change your draw. I just did my remedy. I changed the draw length twice because you can do it on that bow without a press. I changed the draw weight a pound and uh, a turn and a half down from 70. Those are simple things you can do. And you can always put it back. Right, you can always put the, you can always crank the bow, the draw weight down to a crank and a half, shoot it and if it doesn't work, crank it back up. Okay, you're back to square one. Yep. But that adjusts the bow a lot. And how it pushes the shaft. Those are real simple things you can do if you get especially if you get one of these adjustability on draw length becoming a normal thing now I think. It's not as locked out as it is, right? Or is that am I just an elite guy and that's that?
0: No, you're right. the The new, the newer bows, you can buy all those modules. It's, you're not stuck with one or the other nowadays,
3: right? So I was able to literally go out to my my test lab here, 15 minutes from the house, and I was able to adjust the draw length, turn the draw weight up and down. I took it from a four inch tear down to about a half inch tear. And then I kept playing with the point weights, and then I made one half turn on the set system on that elite, and it went right down the middle. I mean, it was beautiful. And I am not a form guy. I don't work on it. I don't think about it. I try to get the bow to shoot it like I shoot it. And I think you're better off doing that, because when you're hunting, I don't know that all this form stuff You'd really have to practice a lot to. if you have some funky thing you've got to do form-wise to replicate that when you're freaking out. I just, Hard I'm not that it. good. No. All that crap goes out the window when you're cold and a big deer walks by and you're just trying to shoot the deer.
0: Especially when you've been think, watching him walk in for 10 minutes right. from 300 yards away.
3: Well, it's I like just... watching doves come across a big field and shooting three times and you got nothing but air.
2: <laughs> well, well, you got I pr- all
3: wound up. Here they go. I remember <laughs> having my single shot and had a shell under each finger. And so I'd shoot out it at 50 so I could get a second shot when they were close with a single shot. Well, that's terrible. I didn't hit nothing. They just gave me a bunch of shells and I burned up the sky. My dad uh, used to say, easy. How many you got? I was like, I got four. He goes, No, you got nine now. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Well, we'll Troy, I uh, appreciate your time. Uh, yeah, good right. luck. Good luck on the water, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll stay in touch and and see what you're up to. So yeah, right. Any
3: time. It's great. Thank you for having me on.
1: Yep. Take care. Thank
3: you. Yep. See you later.